Hey, it is Chris. I am still reporting from the road, but I am in Austin, Texas now. We are getting our house set up. Uh, hopefully this will be the last message that I send to you from uh, my, my road-beaten laptop. But I do want to tell you about a special sponsor we have. This episode, it is brought to you by the kind folks at lynda.com, the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business technology and creative skills lynda.com is for problem solvers for the curious for people who want to make things happen maybe you want to master excel or learn negotiation tactics build a website or boost your photoshop skills that's a valuable thing more people should be good at photoshop with a lynda.com membership you can watch and learn from top experts who are passionate about teaching stream thousands of video courses on demand and learn on your own schedule courses are structured so you can watch from start to finish or consume them in bite-sized pieces. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. I want you to visit lynda.com WT and sign up for a free 10-day trial. That's lynda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash WT. So... I have custom pimped my espresso machine. Uh, Just a week after getting it, I realized I have no idea what I'm doing. And if I want to learn how to make this thing actually make a great cup of espresso, I'm going to have to make some modifications to it. But before I know it, I'm taking a hacksaw to the bottom of the portafilter so that I can see the basket that holds the coffee. And is the water coming out of this thing right? Is it is it coming out from the edges? Is it just coming out from one side? Why are my extractions so disgusting? So, like I said, I took a hacksaw to the bottom half of the portafilter so that I could see the basket. And, and I went online and spent many nights on forums trying to figure out what else am I doing wrong? And I realized, well, maybe the temperature of the water is not right. So I find this guy in Pennsylvania. He's got this special kit where he modifies a probe thermometer, you know, like the, the type you would use on a turkey to see your turkey done. Yeah, well, Thanksgiving. Yeah. You can remove this nut that most espresso machines have and, and kind of jam it in there, and, and it'll test the water as it's flowing past. Um, and I've got this Frankenstein machine with a probe thermometer sticking out of it and a hacksaw uh, portafilter with no bottom to it anymore. Before I know it, I'm getting closer and closer. I've gone through almost $100 of coffee beans, and I figure out that if I weigh the coffee coming out of the grinder and I weigh the coffee, the liquid coffee that comes out of the machine, and if I make sure that that thermometer reads, you know, roughly the temperature I'm looking for around 200 degrees, um, and I dial in my grinder just so, I can finally get a delicious cup of espresso out of this machine. You know what I like about this story? What's that? It teaches us a very important lesson. Those Italians, they think they got it all figured out. <laughs> you want a good cup of coffee? You better be made in the USA. <laughs> These colors don't run. Absolutely. Hello, and welcome to What's Tech, a podcast from The Verge. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I will be your host for this very short period of happy time. I am joined today by the most stylish man, a human, at The Verge, William Sabona. He is our reviews coordinator, and he knows coffee, and I would say uh, liquids, beverages, 
uh, of all sorts, better than anyone else I know. Uh, and he's here to tell us about coffee, namely high-tech coffee. And the reason I wanted to have William on this episode and really do an episode about coffee, which might not seem like a tech thing to some people, is coffee is a tech thing. Coffee has been a tech thing for a long time. The idea of creating coffee uh, has inspired plenty of technology and, and led to these new bizarre machines, everything from you know a traditional French press to vacuums, uh, which we recently posted on com. So to kick things off, I just want to ask you, what what is the difference between a, a high-tech coffee, essentially, and the sludge that I put in my body from the deli every morning? So technology has really made coffee more convenient. So really what what I think of high-tech coffee is really convenient coffee that that takes some of that struggle I was talking about with my crazy espresso machine, takes some of that guesswork out of it. So technology has made water much more controllable as far as the temperature goes. Um, we have machines now that can grind the beans themselves before they go in so they make sure you're getting the proper um, grind out of it. Um, and um, they, they make sure that... You, you actually get a consistent cup of coffee every time. Sometimes that's not the best cup of coffee that you're going to get ever, but it's going to be consistent every time, and you know what you're going to get. And you find something that you like, um, and technology can really make it so that you don't have to go through all this struggle every time you want a decent cup of coffee. Now, this might sound strange to people who, uh, say, work at an office where you, like, grab a handful of Folgers, and maybe you throw it on a filter and then throw that in uh, the the thingamabob where the water goes? Absolutely. There's this big, uh, um, you know, you grab one of those paper filters and you resist the right number of scoops. It looks like the right amount of coffee, and I'll stick it in here and hit the button, and hopefully the drips that come out of this won't be total sludge and it'll be drinkable. Um, But But you'd argue that there's there's almost an entire language around making real coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Can you say, like, I mean, you kind of hit on it, but what are these key things, and and what are they doing that makes this cup of coffee taste better than than the generic stuff? So there are three, well, there are a lot of variables, but there are three really basic variables to getting a good cup of coffee. They're your grind and the way the coffee is ground, and maybe it may have come ground for you, and that makes a big difference. If you grind it freshly, you're going to get a considerably different flavor from the coffee. Um, So there's the grind. There's the water temperature. So temperature is really important to getting a cup of coffee. One of the problems with machines back in the 70s, when drip machines started to become popular, was that they'd start off at the right temperature, but by the time they'd finish making the pot of coffee, the temperature dropped as much as 20, 30 degrees. And so you had a very different flavor towards the end. And you mix that all together in a pot and you don't actually get the greatest uh, cup of coffee that you're going to have. Um, and the the third uh, kind of um, variable is extraction. And there are many different ways to extract coffee. And we'll, we'll talk about all those the different tech that you can get into. But that has a lot to do with it as well, whether you're in a drip machine or a percolator or if you're doing a K-cup, which is really popular now, um, you're going to get a, a, a different flavor and taste from it. I think we can kind of get into that with uh, the history of this idea of coffee technology. And I was hoping you could kind of take me through the ways 
making coffee have evolved over time? Absolutely. So coffee as we know it today, filtered coffee that, you know, isn't a, like a sludgy mess, um, started around the 1700s with the French. They started filtering coffee. Um, coffee existed before that, but the way we drink it and kind of love it um, today started back then. Um, later on, though, in the, in the early 1800s, the the science and technology side of it started to become more prevalent and vacuum brewers started to become popular. And they're actually starting to come back into fashion now if you go into some of these hip um, coffee shops and um, um, artisanal you know, breweries that you can go to, you'll see them brewing coffee in these big, like, you know, they look like chemistry sets. They're vacuum-based um, uh, technology using um, clear glass tubes, it, and um, it uses, it relies on the pressure of vapor to kind of push the coffee up in through the, the grinds and then back down. And as it's going back down, it filters it, and you, you get a what you know you would consider a cup of coffee. Um, later in that century, though, in the late 1800s, the kind of the king of of coffee makers comes around, and it's the percolator, and it's tons of people. My father, to this day, still uses a percolator machine, and it lasted longer than any other technology as the kind of dominant way of making coffee. And it's just simple gravity. You're boiling water in a enclosed container, and it's got a basket of coffee in the top. Boiling water comes up through the top and trickles through that basket of coffee and, and, and settles down via gravity, and you get a pretty good cup of coffee. Um, it was definitely the first time that um, the temperature of the water started to become controlled somewhat consistently, um, and that's just a further step in improving the flavor and the consistency of coffee. And so it wasn't until the 1970s that you started to get a, a see change in the way coffee's being made. And that's when the drip coffee maker comes around, which most offices we talked about, you know, you, you go in and grab your folders thing. That's probably what you have. You probably have a, you know, a Mr. Coffee or a bun machine that, you know, you have a little drawer and you throw some ground coffee in it and you hit a button and it boils up some water in a boiler and then it drips it over top of that, that uh, water into a, um, a vat of some type. And, uh, Hopefully, if everything goes right, you, you'll have a pretty good cup of coffee. Like I said, though, it's it's so um, variable on the machine, and and most of the machines that came out in the early days of drip coffee machines were just just terrible at at keeping the water hot enough. Um, some people would do a trick where they would do where they would uh, not put any beans in the machine and turn it on as if they were making coffee. Run the water through it, so you get a basically just a um, a carafe of hot water. And then they would take that hot water and put it back into the back of the machine where you would fill up the water and then add their beans. And that was just like a, a little life hack of like, how can I make this thing have, you know, hotter temperature, more consistent? Um, and, it, you know, it actually did work. It made a better cup of coffee. I, I am convinced that basically our parents' generation, the baby boomers, uh, sorry, if you're a baby boomer, uh, uh, hit that fast forward button for like uh, three taps. Uh, <laughs> then they've ruined everything. <laughs> like, or, or at least the, the, the people who sold them things did. Like you look at what food, what happened to food in, in the 1970s? Convenience became king. And it's like the, the like fast food, the prepared, the canned, and, and everything like this. You look at it and it's, an entire generation wiped out a hundred years worth of uh, amazing finds in Absolutely. the way we eat and drink. 
uh, and, and we're just now rediscovering them. I blame our parents' generation for the Lunchable, the the prepackaged crackers with meat uh, uh, uh. lunch snack to bring in and and uh, have pre-ready lunch for Okay, baby, before we come school. back. We were just talking about how great you are. We love you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> I love you, Mom. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, drip drip machines are still around. You still see them everywhere. But the big thing right now, the, the kind of next step in the technology. Yeah, the, the new sweat. Ha- the new, <laughs> the beef <laughs> with coffee right now is the K-cup, or as I prefer to call them, the just pod-based coffee. So you've got coffee that's pre-ground. It's put in a little capsule, and you just take this capsule. Let's say you like French roast, and I like, uh, you know, something lighter or... Maybe I like dark roast or whatever it is that's my preference. I grab my my pot, I stick it in the machine, I stick my mug under it, hit a button, boom. Five, ten minutes later, I've got a, a you know nice, decent cup of coffee. It's not the greatest cup of coffee. One of the things that makes coffee a lot better is if you grind your your beans first. So those, those coffee snobs out there that are listening to this are probably rolling their eyes that we're talking about K-cups. But there's a thing, you know, there's something to be said for consistency and if you're not looking for the you know the most rich flavor or depth of of a flavor in your cup of coffee, a K cup can can actually bring something that drip machines and um, even to a certain extent percolators don't have, which is consistency and ease of use. A lot a lot of people want to be uh, taking a hacksaw to the bottom of their porter filter <laughs> and measuring with a gram uh, counter to see exactly what their output is. So, yeah, the K-Cup really um, kind of, uh, I think, made it more popular to make coffee at home again. Starbucks made us all realize, like, how fun coffee can be and how many different things you can do with it. Um, But in a certain extent, they also made people stop making it at home as much. I feel like you saw less people with the coffee machine out on their countertops. But now with these uh, pod-based machines, I see a lot more people making coffee at home and doing it themselves because... They feel more comfortable doing it, and they think that, you know, well, I know what it's I'm going to get. You, you mentioned Starbucks, and I, I don't know the name of the waves for coffee. I feel like we're in, like, third wave or fourth wave coffee or whatever it is. Uh, but Starbucks is now, uh, it's not the only player on the field. Uh, and, and there were obviously, like, Coffee Bean and all those other kind of companies that were similar to Starbucks. Th- those are still out there, too. But what I'm talking about is Stumptown, the New York and Portland uh, companies, it seems like. Uh, Blue Bottle, I guess, San Francisco. Uh, this new wave of, I, I guess, ultra high-end coffee? I think they like to call themselves artisanal coffee sure. or uh, craft coffee. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, you know, you've got the intelligentsias and the counterculture coffee down in North Carolina. There's a lot of these, um, you know, specialty coffee um, places catering to people who have discovered, like me, that there's a big spectrum in coffee. And if you if you're one of those people who wants the the higher end of things, um, they're gonna they're gonna bring that to you. Um, Blue Bottle is a particularly interesting one because Blue Bottle doesn't just have their coffee shops that you can go in and get stuff. They they also have a, a uh, they they purchased a subscription coffee delivery service called Tonks. Um, and so now you can, if you like blue bottle coffee, you can um, go online and have it delivered at a you know regular interval right to your house and um, get the you know the the high quality beans and um, grind them yourself and and try to get close to what they'd be able to serve you in their shop. Yeah, from what I understand, 
knowing people who've worked at those places, is they also have more complex rituals, I guess, in terms of like how they begin the days, like practicing dialing in, uh, where it's like they, before anyone is served, the baristas are absolutely tasting it and writing down what the taste is and writing down if anything has changed with the machine, and that is being checked by the barista right after them and that it's looking for that thing that you're talking about, which is Absolutely. consistency. Even even in a shift change, you're gonna you're gonna see a barista uh, go through the beans, you know, try to brew up a few different uh, usually they'll use a straight espresso because you really can taste um, the variables in a straight, you know, it's not being hidden by milk. Um, but the yeah, the reason they do that is actually because of those variables we were talking about, and things change so much. Another variable we didn't discuss is how beans change over time. So every bean has a sweet spot, and there's just like a certain day or two period where you're going to get the best coffee out of it. Um, so, for instance, the beans I get at home seem to be about seven days after they were roasted where I get the best coffee out of them. But as time goes by and I still have those beans left in my grinder, I have to adjust it slightly so that I get the relatively same flavor out of it. So I might have to make the grind just ever so slightly finer so that the flavor is still right. And that's what those guys are doing every time they come in in the morning or they do a shift change to to make sure the consistency is right. What else can you do with these machines? Because, I I mean, you're putting money into these machines. I have to imagine you could do something else with them than Absolutely. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Hop on YouTube and look up ways of using your Keurig or your drip coffee machine, and you will find a whole bunch of things. There are people that make instant oatmeal or ramen noodles in their their coffee machines. Um, I've seen somebody do um, in, you know, in like just a regular drip coffee machine, because it has that um, hot plate on the bottom, they fill it up with water and make soft-boiled eggs in it because it keeps such a consistent temperature. And apparently, I've never tried this myself, but apparently it makes a pretty good soft-boiled egg. Um, I've even seen someone do chocolate fondue. So, you know, you just uh, crush up some some good chocolate and put it in the bottom, turn on that, that hot plate on the thing and melt it, and boom, you've got a pot of uh, delicious chocolate fondue. Watching that sounds like a nightmare. I'm like <laughs> yeah. literally getting like... I'm I'm hoping your carafe is dishwasher safe in those cases, guys. Um, how how much is this going to cost me? So like, I I I wake up today, I'm like, I listen to that What's Tech podcast, like I do every time. I got to get in on it. I listened to that episode about vaping. I I have a crack addiction now. I listen to net neutrality. I'm a I'm a telecom. Absolutely. Uh, And now I'm now I'm wanting to get into uh, coffee. So. It really varies a lot. It, it kind of depends on what you want to spend. Um, for the K-Cup machines that we were talking about before that are so popular, they start, you know, just under $100. You can get a K-Cup machine. Um, where you really end up spending more money with a K-Cup machine, though, is in the pots. In fact, uh, it's a fairly well-known thing about Keurig and Espresso. These guys almost make no money at all selling you the machine. It's kind of like the razor blade guys, right? They make the money selling you the the disposable thing that goes inside of it. So the K-Cup is, you're going to spend a lot more money per cup of coffee uh, on the actual coffee itself, the, the beans, with a K-Cup machine. Um, it, you know, so it depends. If you want to spend several hundred dollars, you can get what's called a super automatic machine. And these are really fun because they do everything for you still, like a K-Cup machine, but the quality is usually higher. So you take your your unground coffee beans, you throw them in the top into some sort of a hopper, and you tell it what you want. I want a cappuccino, I want a macchiato, or I just want, you know, a standard cup of coffee. It's going to grind the beans right there for you, brew it, 
put it in your cup and and even ding at you when it's done. So you're paying a little bit more up front, but you're getting more options. You can put any type of beans you want in it. And usually you're getting um, a higher quality cup of coffee still though, without any, you know, need to uh, weigh stuff and, you know, make sure you're on your, your thermometer that you're getting the precise temperature that you want. It does all that for you. Final question. What is the most futuristic beverage technology thing that I can know about right now? So the most futuristic coffee tech right now, well, you know, you mentioned before, we were, we were talking about the uh, vacuum-based um, uh, infuser that we, we got to take a look at on a episode of Top Shelf. This machine uses vacuum packing technology almost to suck all the air out of a vessel so that it infuses the liquid with whatever your solid is. So you can put um, coffee beans in there if you want, but you don't have to. You could you could make yourself um, uh, you know a tea or any sort of infusion that you want. I think we saw them make some some infused vodka. Um, so that's, uh, you know, you think about it, vacuum packing technology isn't that crazy high tech, but the way they've, they've made this machine is, is pretty radical. You have to definitely check out the video on that one. Oh, and that's, that's called the beacon. Uh, cool. Well, thank you for coming and talking about coffee. Absolutely. I am now both thirsty and, um, well, hot because we're, people that can't see it. We're, we're in a very small recording box. We are. And the idea of iced coffee Mm-hmm. Sounds so choice right now. Absolutely. Um, uh, thank you to John Lagomarsino for producing the show. And thank you to you, the person listening to this show right now. Hey, I have this crazy idea. If you'd like, you could recommend the show to a friend. You could even, like, tweet it at them. We are at What's Tech on Twitter. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, or just search for What's Tech. Maybe leave a review. It goes a long way to helping us out. Uh, or you can go to TheVerge.com and see the stuff that William and I do every day. I promise it's a really cool place about technology, which is kind of like what this podcast is about. It's like we figured it all out in advance. Uh, Thank you for listening. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Hey, everybody. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, I am currently in an empty uh, office in the house. Uh, Maybe it's very echoey. Echoey? Is that the word? I've lost the capacity to speak uh, after all of this traveling. But I do want to use the remaining words I have the ability to to shout to thank our sponsor one more time. It's lynda.com. Uh, there's that special deal at lynda.com. I don't know if you remember this, uh, but if, if you get a membership at lynda.com, <laughs> the words are just not going to work. If you get a membership at lynda.com, you will get unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Uh, whether you're looking to become an industry expert or maybe it's a hobby or maybe you're just looking for something new, uh, you know, like I was when I... When I I, I moved across the country. Uh, you can do, move across the country of your mind by going to lynda.com slash WT and signing up for a free 10-day trial. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash WT. And uh, I'm going to go and eat more tacos because that's basically all I do now. Uh, this is my life. I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>